0: Glory to Jesus Christ. Glory forever. Hey, listeners. Sorry that we're adding on a little bit of an extra time on this episode. We're coming to you from the future. And Father Michael and I wanted to let you know that although we can't invite everyone to the life profession due to capacity restrictions of the church, um, you're welcome to please live stream the profession on September 26th, 1 p.m., facebook.com slash christthebridegroom.org. But... We are inviting you out to the monastery the following day monday september twenty seventh at seven thirty p.m eastern time we're going to have a live episode um, at the at the monastery we'll probably record across the street at the shrine so if you uh if you come out to the monastery one seven four eight five Mumford road burton ohio four four zero two one and then you'll see the sign down for the shrine come on down and and join us and be a part of the live episode
1: also if you're on instagram we will be doing instagram live and and filming that live episode that hopefully some of you will be at in person but we'll also be live streaming that on instagram if you follow our instagram
0: absolutely thanks guys
1: Hello, dear ones. You're listening to the What God Is Not podcast with Father Michael O'Loughlin and Sister Natalia.
0: Glory to Jesus Christ. Glory forever. Hi, Father Michael.
1: Hello, sister.
0: It's been a really long time since we talked.
1: I know. the uh, And also backwards.
0: Oh, you're right. We just recorded episode 70
1: yeah, Which and now we're, we're episode 69. Week.
0: Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, that's fun. Um, the What was I going to tell you? Oh, it was something about, I don't know. I've got nothing. I've got nothing. It was about, I feel <laughs> like it was about, um, oh, it was about the song that we just listened to, I think. Yes. So I just shared it with Father Michael, I'm not going to say what the song is, so don't say it right now because... This is coming out before my profession, and I don't, and I want my parents to be surprised by the song. Um, It's Sweet
1: Child of Mine by Guns N' Roses.
0: Oh, oh, sweet child of mine. No, that wasn't it. Um, But I just shared with Father Michael the. Is that really Guns N' Roses? It is. It is. Okay. You know why I know? Um, Why?
1: I don't know. I don't know if I should even try this, but I. Anyway, go ahead. Go ahead and finish. Well, that too, but go ahead and finish Um, because then I'll show you something.
0: Actually, I'll tell you. I'll tell you the story of how I came, like what happened with this song. So, this morning when I was going for my run, I decided that I was going to be super efficient, and while running, I was going to listen to some songs to pick out the songs that I was going to use for the slideshow at my profession reception. Um, So at our monastery, Mm -hmm. when one of the nuns makes her life profession at the reception, we have this slideshow with like a bunch of pictures from childhood and entering the monastery and all of that and, um, and play a couple songs. And so I wanted to pick out two songs for this and I'm so overwhelmed by all of the stuff that needs to be done for the profession that I was like, this is something I can do while I run. And so I'm listening to songs and this Super um, bit me in the bum because um, I was like, "It might be, a, it might actually be a a cardiac phrase. rehab." Step back. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um,
1: Go
0: I we're just gonna move on. I while I'm running, I I'm listening to this song, the one that I ended up picking and sharing with you. And I'm just weeping while I'm running. And apparently weeping <laughs> elevates your heart rate. <laughs> so I'm like going for this jog and my heart rate's in the 180s. And I'm like, this is not a good idea. <laughs> but it's so beautiful. It's a really, so really here,
1: beautiful I'm song. So here, I'm going to see if we can play this. It was very beautiful. The reason I said Sweet Child, My Guns and Roses was because I was at the Schneers the other night and there were two CFRs there, uh, Brother Sean Paul and Brother Gabriel, uh, Raphael. Anyway, and there was like an all-night jam session. So people, uh, Brother Sean Paul was playing mandolin, Brother Raphael was playing guitar, um, uh, Justin Schnee was playing banjo. Um, No, was it? I think Justin Schneer was at that point was playing guitar. We had Father Tim Grumbach playing banjo. We had um, Hannah playing um, not marimba. What's like a small version of the marimba? Like you have the. People are yelling at their radios again. Anyway, it was a little. I'm afraid of the court. Not no. Anyway, I, it, it's like radios the pl- things, things kids play with, with, but it was, was an adult version
0: anymore.
1: <laughs> I think in the car. That's what I'm thinking of. Anyway, and all of a sudden they start. All of a sudden they start playing. Like again, they're just playing song after song that just pops into mind. And all of a sudden, Brother Sean Paul starts playing like the electric guitar on his mandolin, Too Sweet Child of Mons. So I'm going to see if I can play this right now. I'll show you the video, sister. You can see it on my phone, but I'm going to play the audio here on on the phone. anyway it was it was i was like you know what they they did so many like beautiful and worship songs and things like that. And all of a sudden, when do I decide to pull my phone out? When they're doing Guns N' Roses. Anyway, but it was like, it, you can't see the video, obviously, but there was like 15 people with instruments. Just everybody, like, I, I forget, like, I think Perry West was sitting next to me doing the shaker. It was like, it was just, it was it was epic. And, and I loved I loved those things. I'm so not musically inclined that I just stand in awe of people that can just start, you know, jamming out like that around a bonfire. So it was glorious.
0: That's amazing. Well, we are not going to have Guns N' Roses at my profession reception.
1: Um, but. Boo. I What if we brought okay. real Guns N' Roses in? And I mean the band, not like the items. But
0: <laughs> anyway. Um, that, that long <laughs> You're like, oh, so supposedly this great problem, rock band is coming in and all of a sudden you, I walk like- in.
1: All of a sudden Father Michael walks in with a with a squirt gun and some (laughs) fake roses. Told you. Anyway.
0: Oh yeah. Anyways, um, please do. So I'm going to move well, I'm not gonna move into the topic actually, because first I have one thing that I need to share because I really should have shared it several episodes ago, and um I dropped the ball. Uh well, I guess two things. One is I'm doing an interview with Matt Frad on September 7th. I think yes, September which 7th. is three weeks ago. And I when think this it's going to be a yeah, li- <laughs> yeah exactly. <laughs> and I think it's going to be a live episode. But if you're listening to this now, you're certainly not going to ah. see it live. Um, and um, the other thing, though, I'm sure we'll post something on our. Instagram or whatever—I don't know. Beth and Olivia are great about. It's that. called
1: Pints with Aquinas. Well, is it uh, called Matt Frad? I don't know. Matt's, Matt Frad Pints with Aquinas something. You'll, you know what it is, most listeners. I don't know.
0: Is. Just search Matt Frad or something. Okay. Um, if you wanna if you wanna watch it, or you don't have to watch it. Whatever. I don't even know what it's going to be about. I don't. I was like, Matt, what are we gonna what are we gonna talk about? Um, for that long because he wants to do one of the long form ones. You know, one that's like two or three hours mm-hmm. or something, and. uh and I'm like, what are we going to talk about for two or three hours? And he's like, don't worry, we'll just chat. And I'm like, I don't know. Uh, anyways, that's one of the things. The other thing is the monastery is having, um, we're having our annual fundraiser November 13th and um, the Bridegroom's Banquet. So um, last year, we actually had, a, we had quite a few listeners um, who really... Uh, supported us when we had the online fundraiser because COVID um, and life. But the there will definitely still be opportunity to donate online. So if you want to do that, donate for the fundraiser online if you can't come to the fundraiser because you maybe don't live close enough or something. But if you want to come to the fundraiser, you also can register. Um, registration is... Required, but it's free. Uh, but it's required because the meal is catered. We have someone who underwrites the cost of the meal so that we um, don't have to charge for wow. registration. And the so it's November 13th, but you can find any information on our website, christthebridegroom.org. Make sure you include two Ts. Don't go to Chris the Bridegroom or Christ He Bridegroom. It's christthebridegroom.org. <laughs> and there will be probably a tab on our page. I should know this. I think there's a tab on our page that says the Bridegroom's Banquet. And that will tell you either how you can, like you can either register for the event there or you can just donate online for the event there or something like that. So that's the whole story with the Bridegroom's Banquet.
1: Amen. Support the nuns, please, listeners.
0: Hmm. Yep. There's a tab for...
1: called the bridegroom's banquet.
0: Great. What does it say on that tab? Is there any fun information other than register here?
1: Um. It's
0: probably got the some more videos and Be like that poor with
1: banquets. me. See photos of the last mm. banquet. Registration, the whole Aww. schedule. Wow. Aww. Somebody's like, there's even like a a blueprint of the building. Oh, oh that, that's what you're building. Yeah. I thought that was like where it was going to be. Wow. <laughs> There's a video on YouTube. <laughs>
0: uh, um, like, you guys okay. are detailed. So, <laughs> this is where parking is. This is, no. Um, yeah. So, uh, the, exactly. the funds, a, a lot of the funds from this year are going to go towards chapel renovations. So, probably what you're seeing is a blueprint of something that we want to do for chapel, chapel renovations. Um,
1: I love I it. It's in the round. Thank you. Um, <laughs> yeah, the chapel's going to be beautiful. It's going to be in the round. There's there's no cross, of course, because that's wrong. It just shows uh, uh, a risen androgynous Jesus on the wall. That's that's good. God bless you, sisters, what for your, your ministry, too. What are you talking about?
0: You're looking scandalizing at the everyone prints. right now. That is None of that is, no, stop it. That's just horrible.
1: It's going to be gorgeous, I'm sure. Don't <laughs> listen to me. Okay,
0: please don't. Okay, um, are you cool if I move into the topic? I'm cool. Okay, so we are going to continue last week's topic, which was the um the life profession of an eastern yes. monastic and i was yes. sharing in last week's episode i was just sharing some of the fruits of my prayer from retreat my pre-profession retreat in los angeles with father michael when i was just praying with um with all of the parts of the service and just each each holy hour i took i was just praying with a, the next piece of the service and sharing i wanted to share some of the fruits with all of you so that um If you live stream the service, which will be on September 26th, 1 p.m. Eastern Time, facebook.com slash Christ the Bridegroom, if you want to live stream the service or watch it at another time, you'll have some sort of context as to what's going on. Why are you laughing at me right now?
1: Because you were so good at saying that whole thing and you absolutely botch every other reference (laughs) to social media at the end of every episode. But that just flowed (laughs) from your tongue like you were (laughs) well-practiced.
0: (laughs) <laughs> well, I've said that a lot because the, the life profession, the invitations are limited um, because of just space in the church. So we're going to have like three or 400 people, but it's Sister Petra and I together and so on and so forth. So anyways, the invitations are limited and I've been telling a lot of people to live stream it. So anyways, <laughs> if you want to live stream it, you can do it there and you'll have from these last couple episodes some sort of context for what a life profession is. Is and like what you're seeing at the different points, and so on and so forth. And if you don't want to watch it, that's fine too. And it's just a cool service to hear about, anyways. Who on you, amen? Wow. Um, after after the last episode, Olivia was just so excited. Like, we when we stopped recording, she was like, That's my new favorite episode, and she just uh, she was like, People, she was like, People don't like nobody has nobody's experienced something like this before. Like it's just totally outside of what people know and that's just really, really cool. And um, Mm -hmm. anyways, so I also am really excited about it. So not just about the life profession, but like about this episode, I mean, these episodes. So
1: Me too. um,
0: All right. So last time we talked about um, my walking down the aisle. And one thing I didn't mention was that there's a lot of baptismal imagery in the life profession service. And so I did mention that the, the white gown that I wear as I walk down the aisle, is um, symbolic of my baptismal gown. So in the East, the we've talked about this on the podcast before, but a monastic profession is seen as the closest you can get to a second baptism. Like you can't actually have a second baptism, but this is the closest you can get to that. And so there's a lot of baptismal imagery. So there's the white gown, but also the three prostrations that I make as I go down the aisle um, are symbolic of the three dunks uh, hmm. in baptism.
1: Did we talk about that? That's beautiful. I don't think we did. Um,
0: I don't think we did. I'm going
1: to say we didn't. Yeah. When you were on a retreat. I'm sorry?
0: Yeah, I knew what you meant. Did I you only think, find out, think out think about that did.
1: recently? Yeah. Okay.
0: No, I just didn't bring it up. So um, so we talked, so walking down the aisle and then I shared some of the things that the bishop says and then the bishop begins this questioning And it says he questions the candidates, Um, and we talked about the first couple, the first three questions that he asks. the The next question that he asks is, "Will you abide in the monastery or in that to which, under holy obedience, you will be sent, and in the ascetic life until your last breath?" So the the thing, the only thing really that I wanted to share here, well, I guess there are a few things to share. One is that in our monastery, um, we always want our monasteries, like at Christ the Bridegroom, to be small, like, family-size monasteries. And so we'll never have more than, like, 15 to 20 nuns at any one monastery. And um, mm-hmm. so so once we get at Christ the Bridegroom, right now we have seven of us, including Documos, Olivia, and... Um, by the way, I don't know if I've ever mentioned this. We always call her DoComos Olivia on the podcast. That's not actually like a a thing in the sense of like at the monastery. We don't call her DoComos Olivia. She's just Olivia, and right. The, but it just <laughs> we went from intern Olivia to Documos Olivia. So, anyways, um, so there's seven of us. If at some point once we get maybe ten or twelve nuns, mother, whoever's the hegumen at the time will choose maybe three of those nuns, to go start a new monastery somewhere else. And that new monastery, there definitely will be connection and help and relationship and all of that. But that that monastery would eventually be totally autonomous. So they would have their own typicon, mm-hmm. their own rule of life, in other words. And um, they wouldn't be financially dependent on us. Um, again, like we would help get them started but it wouldn't be it wouldn't be in the sense of like a western order where um, we would be the mother house or something like this it would be a totally different a uh, totally different yeah. monastery so um, so that's like that's what's meant in this in this question in the context of our monastery that's what I'm answering if if mother if we're opening a new monastery somewhere else and mother chooses me as one of the ones to go help start it, am I willing to do that? Um, am I willing to go where I'm mm-hmm. sent? And if I'm not sent, am I willing to abide in this monastery <laughs> uh, for the rest of my life? Um, and-
1: And with the potential um, loss of your favorite nuns because they might go start something else. Right.
0: Yeah, exactly. That's so you have true. to be open to um,
1: life changing either way, either you leave or they leave.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, do Not absolutely. that you have favorites, um, um, I mean, yeah. So the, but the other thing that I found really <laughs> interesting about this question, which this is something that I brought up on retreat, Father Michael, was I found it interesting that it says, um, it says, will you abide in this monastery, and in the ascetic life until your last breath? And the reason I found that interesting, because the implication is you can abide in a monastery and not be living asceticism. And so it was yeah. this, this, this reminder for me that like to not simply become complacent, to not simply hmm. live in this monastery um, and just kind of get so used to it and so in, um, yeah, I guess, yeah, not, not to become complacent is, is the probably the simplest way to say it. Um, And so just, just praying for the Lord to protect me from, from that temptation. You know, it's like one of the things that you and I have talked a lot about Father Michael over the many years is just like my zeal and my idealism and, (laughs) you know, for my zeal for, for fasting and for, um, and for authentic um, monasticism and, and, and radical community life and things like that. And and that's beautiful, but, um, but I need to be on guard to not lose that um, as time goes on. And as I become, um, become more used to the monastic life. So
1: yeah. Yeah. uh, Father Nathan had a, a really good homily yesterday. Um, and he was talking about monasticism. And I think the theme was kind of all, the first, first question was, should we all want to be monks? Like, should we all desire this? And, and one of the things he said um, was that, uh, I think it was an Anglican friend of his, he said, said I, don't, I don't like monks. One time we had this this Eastern Christian monk uh, come to visit our our rectory or the, the seminary or something like this. And literally he came in, he ate all of our food, he slept the whole day, and then he left. Like that, I expected monks to be holy and spiritual fathers, and all these things. And and Father Nathan's response to him was, "No, no, no, monks. They're in the monastery because they're not." Holy! Like they're they're in the monastery because they're 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 getting there. They're working on it, but and and I thought it's the same thing. Like you know, people say, "Oh, you Christians are such hypocrites." Yeah, well, we're Christians because we need help. Like we're Christians because we know that we're not where we should be, and so our our Christianity is an assistance and it's part of our pilgrimage. So so again, it's like that stereotypical phrase. You know, do you do you judge a fat person for being in the gym? Like no, because they're they're where they they're where they need to be to overgenerate. Of course, um uh, and and judge, but like they're where they need to be to become healthy. Christians are in church because they're they're sinners and they're where they need to be to be healthy. A monk is is where he needs to be to be healthy. So when a monk is broken, you're like, Well, I thought monks are supposed to be the holiest of the holy. Nope. You know, they're, they're there to become holy, but but they're they're not there because they are holy. They're there because they need that to be holy. So you're gonna see sin, you're gonna see mistakes, you're gonna see all these things in any, you know, aspect of life, any Christian especially, but ch- but churches and, and monasteries are where where you're gonna find people that are in process, not that they're there yet.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um so the and then obviously there was all of the praying with them if I'm sent to a different monastery or if I'm if I'm not and like the you know what all of that um entails and so so you know I talked about that father michael but then the next question is <laughs> will you keep yourself in chastity sobriety and piety until your death and this was until your death the question says until your death and so this was the <laughs> the one father michael that then you can I was stop. like this is, <laughs> um, I said, this is the first question to which I knew my answer is a lie. Like the, the if you're just reading it at, taking it at face value, the question is, will you keep yourself in chastity, sobriety, and piety until your death? And then my response is supposed to be yes, master with God's help. Um, and I'm just like, it's, it's literally impossible. And, um, Like, okay, if we take sobriety to be in the strictest sense of just like not getting drunk and we take chastity to be like being celibate or something like that. First of all, that's not what all those, that's not the only thing that those entail. You know, sobriety and chastity are much more about simply not getting drunk and simply not having sex. But, um, but okay, let's even say, let's even say those two things mean that fine. Okay. Maybe I can do that. No, not maybe. I can do that until my death. Um, but piety, can I be pious all the way until I die? No, I'm going to be impious, um, impious. I've heard it pronounced both ways um, in like five minutes.
1: <laughs> but yes, you can with God's help.
0: Um, the question isn't, can you with God's help? The question is, will you with God's help? <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, saying yeah, like I know that I won't you,
1: <laughs> you have every intention of doing it though we talked about this on your right. trade of course but yes I see what you're yes. getting at but but also you understand the intention of the church I know that
0: yeah and and I and I um you know and we talked on the last episode about how there is part of the beauty of this service is there's this constant tension between um promising the impossible and also understanding that God's mercy is there um and and that he sees the desire of my heart he sees like you're saying father michael the the intention to live this out and um and and i just i sense the tension of of the meeting of his divinity with my fallen human nature like in this question i just very much feel that um but Uh, yeah, you know, it's just, it's nerve wracking right after the bishop has said, um, give fitting answers to God to these questions, fearful and yet joyful, which is something we talked about in the last episode. But, um, anyways, that was, um, that was that question.
1: I have nothing else other than to criticize you for your scrupulosity. So go ahead.
0: (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> what else is new? Um, all right. Well, since we're having the like weird technological delay, maybe like don't lean into your mic unless you're gonna say something.
1: Okay. I'll sit back with my arms <laughs> behind my head until I want to.
0: <laughs> well, you just you were sitting back and then you lean forward and just wait at your mic, and then you're like, I have nothing to say. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay so the next question is will you remain even until death in obedience to the superior and to all the sisterhood in Christ and um, this this was really interesting because um, well actually first I'll say that I, re- I remember hearing a homily one time I think this was Father Michael Lee um, preaching about the transfiguration. And he was talking about how we, we tend in our modern religions, we, it's not a modern religion. It's Catholicism is ancient, but like in our modern times within religion, we um, tend to, to really see very easily the divinity of Christ but we struggle more to see his humanity. And he says, you know, Father Michael said in this homily, Lee, Father Michael Lee said in this homily, but for the op, for, for the apostles, it would have been the opposite. Like they're living with Christ day in and day out and they're seeing very much his humanity. And by that, I obviously don't mean sinfulness because he was without sin, but they're seeing his humanity. And so for them, mm-hmm. um, the more surprising thing would be to see his divinity. So that's like, you know what happens on the at the Transfiguration, um, so so likewise it can be it can be difficult sometimes um, for us to to be able to see Christ and His will for those of us who so clearly see His divinity and struggle to see His humanity. Sometimes it can be difficult for us to see Him and His will hidden beneath the humanity, the brokenness um, of of my mothers and sisters, you know, here at the, here at the monastery. But like that, that is Christ's humility. That, um, and I think that's what there's, there's a prayer earlier on that the bishop says, um, not a prayer, it's when he's speaking to me. He says, where is it? Um, Open the ears of your heart, sisters, and hear the voice of the Lord who says, come to me, all you who labor and are burdened, and I will give you rest take up my yoke and learn of me for I am meek and humble of heart and you shall find rest for your souls. And so as I was praying with this question and with, with like the difficulty sometimes of seeing Christ's will beneath the humanity and brokenness of my mothers and sisters, I'm like, this is what it means to take up his yoke and imitate him um, to be meek and humble in heart, because to take up his yoke, I have to bend over, Right, Like if you, if you picture a yoke um, that's like spread across two oxen, um, like that's why, that's the lowliness that comes with taking on the yoke. And so, so I have to, to bend over, to humble myself, to be meek and submissive. And only then can I actually see his will. Um, and uh, anyways, that's what I was, that's what I was praying with, with, with that aspect. Yeah.
1: Beautiful image. I also think that there's, you know, it, it's interesting because right now we just Bishop John Pazak, our Bishop in in the Byzantine the eparchy of Phoenix, uh, just retired last week. Uh, so um, we have our administrator who we had before. We still have Bishop Thomas Holmstead. But there, there's a uh, within any within any organization, any aspect or any. Monastery, any eparchy, everything within the church, there's always um, a hierarchy. There's always, you know, some sort of of authority and power structure. Um, And it's it's just so interesting to say within a power structure that looks so common to the rest of humanity. We've all had normal jobs. We all know what a boss is. We all know what a manager is, you know. but there's the within the church, it's just the exact opposite. So the 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 more as as it says in the scriptures, you know, the, the if you want to be first, you must be last, you must serve the rest, you must look vulnerable. And it 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 can be so odd to think, and I'm I'm just speaking as as a pastor, it can be so odd to think that the the more vulnerable I am in, in before my people, the the more I serve, the more even pathetic I look sometimes in that. Um, that's actually the the way to serve, and therefore to be a good authority and a good leader. Um, but it's so counterintuitive if we if we've grown up, you know, within working with these other civil systems. Um, but once you actually do it, you realize that that that's the case you can serve, you can serve better love better by being more vulnerable and by again the just there's a certain I've, I've realized like i know that sometimes when i do something very vulnerable and i and i make a big mistake like i just i look pathetic to my people i just look pathetic but there's but and but that's only what are they going to do with that that's the that show their holiness you know what i mean cr- cr- there's a certain this i've got to be careful with my language here but like Christ can seem pathetic to those who want to attack him. Like he, he gave himself completely. He was bloodied and broken and naked on the cross. Like that can be, you can just scowl at that. You know, you can resent that. You can be angry about that. And that's done out of love for you. You know, it's done out of love for me. And I can respond with, with a certain malice. And, uh, you know, uh, uh, again, uh, how pathetic Lord, you know, you, you you look pathetic in, in your love for me. And it's, it's just a, what do we do with the vulnerability of Christ? What do we do with the vulnerability of our sisters, of our mothers, of those in authority? You know, do we do we do like two of Noah's sons and cover up the nakedness and, and allow to see glory in that, or do we do we like one of Noah's sons um, abuse it? You know, bring it to light and, and, and gossip about it, etc. So, I think I think it's uh, for, for the church to grow. We need the authorities to be more vulnerable, to be more servant, to be better servants. But for that to happen. And for that to bear fruit, the people who they serve also need to not take advantage of of the vulnerability of our leaders, but rather build them up. And so there there has to be an interplay here between those who lead and those who follow, um, both of the same mission. Um, and for, for the scriptural reality of, if you want to be first, you must be last. Those who are first must be last, must serve the rest. For that to happen, there needs to be work on either side, both on those who who serve and those who follow. Yeah.
0: Um, so the next question, I won't read the whole thing, but the part of it that I really prayed with, um, will you endure until death all the strain and poverty of this common life for the sake of Christ? So the, um, I, um, a couple things. So I I was struck by the um by the the question of like it's it's um the strain and poverty of this common life. Um that I'm not just promising to endure the poverty. I'm promising to endure the strain. And and it's the strain of living in poverty with others. Um because, right, it says the poverty of this common life. It's not just um, simply poverty for poverty's sake. And that that really struck me because... Um, it's not, it's not only a material poverty. It's, it's the poverty. It's, it's the very poverty of our, of our humanity, our brokenness, our sin, kind of like what I was talking about in the last one. Um, But it's, it's the poverty of our backgrounds and our wounds. Like I'm, I'm entering into all of this in the common life and enduring the strain of all of that. And um, I'm, I'm, I was thinking about this again yesterday because, Yesterday we had, um, Bishop Milan was here to have liturgy for us. And so we had brunch. He joined us for brunch after liturgy. And we happened to have on Pustinia um, a CFR and a sister of life. Um, and so <laughs> so it was funny. And they both joined us for brunch as well. So it's funny because we have like our, our community and then Bishop Milan, who's a Jesuit, and then a CFR and a sister of life. And it was just like, the most edifying brunch conversation we've maybe ever had. It was really beautiful. But uh, mm-hmm. everyone's like sharing experiences from retreat, and Bishop Milan's talking about um, his 30-day Ignatian retreat. So our Mother Gabriella and Mother Cecilia, and so on and so forth. And it was it was really beautiful. Bishop Milan's talking about um, his experience of growing up um, in communism and things like that. But um, but anyways, he was at, at one point Bishop Milan was sharing about. Um, one of the meditations that struck him the most when he did his 30-day and the one before his um, final vows. And because as Jesuits, you do them twice. You do, you do a 30-day retreat, once during your novitiate and once before your final vows. And um, he was talking about a meditation that had to do with, um, with I think St. Ignatius talks about three steps of poverty, and i hope i'm not messing this up um but the the part kind of the culmination of it is is the poverty of um basically of being rejected the the poverty of being falsely accused the poverty of being um ridiculed, persecuted, talked about behind your back, these kinds of poverties, uh not not really mm. the material poverty. And you know, cuz Bishop Milan was like, mm. okay, so as religious we talk about poverty, but um with material poverty, sure, you can sacrifice all these things because your community provides everything, which is a thought I've had many times, you know, it's like, okay, I can mm. say that that I'm living material poverty simply because I don't own anything. But I know that if I like really need something, I can go to mother and say I need this thing, and then the community will get it, or a benefactor will get it, or something like that. You know. So, um, and 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 we need that. It's it's necessary. Um, and but it's like those are those are the deeper poverties that I was praying with in in this question of will you endure the strain and poverty of this common life? It's not so much the the material poverty. Um, like we try to live that as well. You know, but. Uh, but that 's not that 's not the most difficult poverty um, for me to
1: live, <laughs> yeah, and that 's one of the things that I think outsiders don 't quite understand um, so you know we, we all have our communities, hopefully you know family friends roommates um, college roommates you know community within the workplace but we don't we don 't understand the the intensity of the honing. And the the opportunity for attention that comes in real communities is lived when there's real interdependence within a small group of people. So it's beautiful that you can explain that that's that that's the harder poverty, you know. Because people joke all the time on Twitter and stuff like that about oh, you know, it must be so nice that that religious just get to wake up and know how to think about what they're going to wear, you know. And and there's just there's a structure that's there, and it's just so simple. It's like that's not the hardest part of a life of poverty. So (laughs) so thank you for sharing that because I think that that most people who don't live those intense lives just could not understand that. I mean, I've heard many times from many different monastics, the hardest part of the monastic life is is the love of brother and the perseverance and patience and tolerance and everything else that goes along with with, with a life that is shared with others. The the washing of the feet, as Saint Basil says, you know, if, if you live it alone, whose feet will you wash? You know, the 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 honing of the serving of the other in there in their specific personality with their temperament and, and how that can really affect a lot of the common life is seems to be the hardest thing that most monastics endure, talk about and what becomes our yoke or their cross.
0: Yeah, so the, the next question is actually, the response is what intrigued me the most about it. But the question is, Will you accept all the canons, the typicon, and the statutes of the life of this monastic community? Um, so will you accept the rules that we're going to live by, basically? But the response is, yes, master. I accept them and embrace them with love. And so I just, that that response intrigued me because it's like, it's added on to you. All, all the bishops ask, all the bishop asks is, will you accept this? And the response is, I'll accept it and embrace them with love. And so that was really convicting for me of... I think that for the most part, as I read through our I accept everything in our Um for i I think I think I accept all of it. I can say that um and but it was definitely convicting of am I actually embracing these things with love? and it reminds me a little bit of um, <clears throat> what I've been reading a lot. And I'm finishing up this book that, that Father Nathan Simeon gave me about Elder Joseph the Hesekast. And <laughs> I was sharing, I was sharing a, uh, an excerpt from it the other day with the other nuns on our fun day. I wanted to read them this excerpt because it was just very funny about um, obedience cats who they had at the skeet. But they, I tell them, I was like, I want to, I want to read something for you guys from my elder, Joseph the Hesekast. And, they all thought it was very funny that I called him my elder, but actually, the book is called "My Elder Joseph the Hesekast." Um, so, anyways, the but in this book about Elder Joseph the Hesekast, you know, they they talk extensively about obedience. I mean, throughout the whole book, they're talking about obedience, but there's there's something about. Um, elder joseph is trying to to really drill into his disciples because he 's learned it himself not um, he 's not doing this like self righteously um, really drill into his disciples this idea that obedience is not simply doing what you are told by your by your elder, um, but you should really be striving to desire the will of your elder, like uniting your will with the will of your elder um, wanting to do things because you know your elder would want you to do these things sort of, you know, so, so again, there's like, there's steps, there's, um, it's, it's absolutely fruitful to simply do the acts of obedience, even if there's not that desire there, (laughs) but this is the goal is to, um, to really unite the wills, not simply do it because we know we have to. And, um, so that's what I was thinking of with, with this, uh, response, you know, is like, uh, yes, I accept the typicon, but I really, I really want to work on embracing all aspects of the typicon with love, not not simply accepting them.
1: That makes life so much easier, too. I mean, if you're if you're just going to accept all these mm-hmm. things grudgingly, and you know that'll build up resentment. But if you say, "I'm I'm going to really work on saying this comes from God, it comes from you know." My, my Hegemen or my hegumen who I love and I'm, I'm going to actually work on carrying this cross and embracing these things with love and joy and again, that might take time certainly take effort but but it can make it can make life a lot happier rather than just saying oh my gosh i hate this i hate thursdays for some reason because what we do on thursdays i hate thursdays like you're just going to fear thursdays the whole week you know it, it's 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 going to make life so painful if, if if we say you know i'm, I'm following these rules because there there's a gift in there somewhere and therefore i'm going to continue looking for the gift of joy um it just makes for a much happier life
0: yeah so the the last question then is, will you endure all the sorrows and restraints of monastic life for the sake of the kingdom of heaven? And again, I I realize that I'm being I'm really like focusing in on particular phrases and particular words, or but but that's just because I was praying with it so intentionally, you know. Um, and so I'm probably really um, extrapolating from what the the service was originally intended, but. Um, but the Lord's given great fruit there. So the, what I really focused in on in this question is the, the end of it, when he asks if I'll endure these things for the sake of the kingdom of heaven. And the response is yes, master, with God's help. But um, I, I was reflecting upon how I, I not only need God's help to endure that's absolutely part of it but i need his help to endure for the sake of the kingdom of heaven so i was um like like not for the sake of pride because we can endure for all sorts of wrong reasons right i can endure mm-hmm. out of pride or out of laziness of simply not wanting to do something else and so i might as well do just stick with this thing i'm already doing um or fear or shame or anything like that like there are other reasons i can endure so i need god's help not only to endure but but to to be constantly, like I talked about in the last episode, to be constantly purifying my reasons for enduring and um, to to let it be for the sake of the kingdom of heaven, to let it be for love of love of Christ, desire of Christ. And so I was thinking of the verse in Matthew sixteen twenty five: 25, um, whoever would save his life will lose it and whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. And so in that first one, the, the first part of that sentence, whoever saves his life, there's no condition put on it. It's simply he who saves his life will lose it. But in the second part, whoever loses his life, the condition is put on it. Whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. And so it's not just like simply losing your life means you'll find it, it, it needs to be for his sake. And so that's what I was praying with here is, is um, to really endure for the sake of the kingdom of heaven. And um, and all of all of the sorrows and restraints, it doesn't say of the ascetic life, but of monastic life. So it's it's all the sorrows and restraints again of of being in community, of of being in obedience, of having um, you know, sisters who, who struggle with particular things that rub me the wrong way or, or whatever. And um and and the 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 sorrow and restraint um of entrusting my loved ones. To God, Like that's what we were talking about, Father Michael, in between recordings when we were listening to that song of just, it it can be hard to, to really entrust my loved ones to him, to know that, that I'm in some sense leaving them, that I'm, um, like that's the restraint aspect part of it is, um, I can't dictate how much of my time or my energy or whatever I can give to, to my family and my friends, um, my monasticism dictates that. My obedience dictates that, and and that's a beautiful thing. Um, if I'm enduring it for the sake of the kingdom of heaven, knowing that in doing so, um, I'm also giving them what they actually need. Um, yeah.
1: Amen. Uh, you'll you'll we recorded these uh, switched, but those of you who are listening will next week here. Um, A podcast about marriage, and and we have Father Joel on, which is amazing. Again, Father Joel Barstap, but um, he talks about um, very beautifully about how uh, within a marriage, you know, with within that household, uh, you kind of absorb the Mm -hmm. sadnesses of the world around you, of your family, and of the world around you. So, you know, a, a marriage and a household is not a bubble. Um, it can be, you know, in, in one sense that can be good, but, but what's happening outside that household does affect the relationship between a husband and a wife. And and again, we need to make sure it doesn't affect it too badly, and doesn't adversely, doesn't debilitate it. But there is a certain there is a certain sadness. I mean, again, the tassel on the chotki is is meant to wipe away the tears for the sins of the the person with the chotki and, and the sins of the world. So there's a as as long as we're in this world, there will be a certain melancholy, a certain sadness um, the, uh, for the injustices of the world, for the sin of the world, for the the not yet of the kingdom of God. Um, and so this, that, that question is just embracing, yeah, there will be struggles and there will be sadness. Like, like this life is not in no way an escape mm-hmm. from those things. There's no life in this world that will be an escape from those things. So when the sadness has come acknowledge these as, as realities and sin and see them, of course, as opportunities, uh, for purging, for, for holiness, for growth, for intercessory prayer, um, for, for perseverance and love for those around, et cetera.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, I really liked when he was talking about that, Father Joel, at the beginning of the podcast. That was very beautiful. Mm-hmm. Um, so so that ends the questioning part of the life profession. And then it says, um, then the bishop gives the candidate this catechesis. So, um, so the, the bishop says... Um, my daughters, be sure you realize the nature of these promises which you have made to Christ our Savior, so on and so forth. And then he says, therefore, I will now explain this perfect life in which by imitation our Lord's own life is made manifest. So um, I've I've talked about this on multiple other podcasts, I'm sure, but I've always been struck by <laughs> by the reality of the order of things here in the profession service, because it's the same order of things that we have in the ancient church, at least, um, when someone is entering the church, right? You have the, the catechumens who, um, they leave at a certain point of the liturgy, and and they're not actually like they they aren't fully taught about the mystery of the church and things like that until they enter um, at Pascha traditionally, and then and then the following weeks would be or following days or whatever it would be um, times of catechesis in which they learn all about the faith that they just entered into. And um, so that's just really funny, right? Like the the bishop asks all of these questions. He asks me if I'm going to promise these things, if I'm willing to do it, all of these things, if I'm willing to accept these things. And then he tells me exactly what I've promised and what I've accepted. <laughs> and uh, so it a little bit feels like trickery. but but actually, um, the the truth is, oftentimes, if I, if I knew ahead of time what I was saying yes to, when the Lord was asking me, um I wouldn't have the courage to say yes and yeah. like I, I would have chickened out and and this is definitely true of my vocation like if I knew the extent of what I was saying yes to in entering the monastery, I wouldn't have said yes, but that's because i i don't I wouldn't have trusted that God was going to give me all of the graces, all of the gifts that I needed in order to actually live out this life um so it's like, because it's it's so much harder in some ways than I ever realized. Um, but at the same time, I'm confident that this was his will. i'm I'm very confident in in where I am right now, and I'm confident that it was the right choice. Um, so it's like it's it's almost like we can only bite off so much at once, and he just doesn't give us more than we can handle. But he knows all along, that he's going to give us the grace to handle obviously whatever it is that he gives us. Um, so
1: yeah. But you, you haven't said yes yet. I mean, that's going to be happening in three weeks. So he, he knew, he knew that, yeah, you may have not said yes five years ago, but you do, you did. I mean, you are saying yes to that same reality that you've now experienced, you know? Um, so, right. so it is the same sister Natalia. It's the same woman. It's just, it, the, the, the the time comes when when you do when you will feel all of it, and you you said yes every single day. You could have left the monastery any day the past five years. You know you didn't have to stay. Um, so we'll you see what
0: you, happens in the next three weeks. You
1: might not have <laughs> right, yeah. You 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 might not have said yes, <laughs> but you did. I mean, so there's 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 a a certain reality to that as well. I, and I totally understand what you're saying, <laughs> but there there is a. You did say yes every single day to, to continue and that's what exactly what you'll be doing in three weeks as well.
0: Yeah. Um, I'm trying to decide. I think I'll say I'll say just one or two more things. So So the bishop starts this catechesis um, and one of the things that, I'm not going to read the whole catechesis because it's very long, but um, I'll just share certain parts. But one of the things he says is, be humble for this will enable you to inherit all the good things of eternity. So I ended up having a lot of reflections about humility. Like it's just um, humility, repentance, all of that is a very common theme throughout the profession service. But um, when it 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 lined up very um very well with me be humble for this will enable you to inherit all the good things of eternity with blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven so um so in my mind i kind of equated this humility with this poverty of spirit and realizing that only in admitting my poverty can i be open to receiving the things that he wants to give me um so it's like that's that's what the humility is. It's admitting our own poverty. Um, and that's what i've that's what I've done by by walking down the aisle barefoot as as I've um, talked about in the last episode, barefoot, hands crossed as though bound um, in this plain white robe, is i'm I'm walking down um, just admitting my own poverty in order to have the openness to inherit all of the good things that he wants to give. Amen. And then and the, it's almost like the, the next... at a wedding
1: when you have the couple receives the crowns at the beginning and then lives out the life. You're wearing the the white garment of purity at the beginning of your your journey within within full monasticism. So like it's almost like the reward, mm-hmm. the sign, the external of the of the white baptismal gown is a sign of what you will be living out the entire time. Yeah.
0: Um. And then, and then he lists a bunch of do's and do nots, basically. So the so one of the things that he says to do is he says lay aside the world's boldness and brazen behavior, and um, I I liked that there was that qualifier in there of the world's. I don't actually know parts of speech. I don't know if qualifier is the right word there, but anyways, where it says the world's, um, I like that that part's in there because. Um, it doesn't just say lay aside boldness and brazen behavior because we are called to a different boldness, um, just not the boldness of the world. And um, like to teach about Christ with boldness as St. John says in, in Acts chapter 28 and to have boldness in Christ as St. Paul says in Ephesians 3 and so on and so forth. But, but the, the boldness and brazenness of the world is I think a boldness and a brazenness that's born of pride and vainglory, whereas the boldness in Christ is one that's born of humility. And so, so I think that that's that's the key thing here is is lay aside the pride and vainglory and immerse yourself in the humility and um, mm. and like that's that's the boldness that should come forth.
1: Yeah, I I love when when we use ideas like boldness and courage that have sometimes a very different meaning in the world than they do in the church you know we, we we approach weakness with boldness and those two seem thing would those two would seem like a paradox you know approach the even the unknown i mean you're, you're you're you'll be approaching the next you know 50 60 70 years of your life with there's a certain boldness of the unknown because you you you'll probably say the same thing um, like you said, well, I, you know, it, it, it's a lot harder than I thought. Well, probably the next fifty years can be a lot harder than you think too. But you, you, you know that and you're still entering into it, you know, willingly. So that there, there, that is a good mm-hmm. definition of boldness in the face of of hardship, etc. That that is again a very good definition of boldness and courage, but also um, also uh, counterintuitive in a sense about what you're being bold about it's not being bold or courageous about conquering. Um anything except yourself and your own sin. But you're mm-hmm. not you're not being bold in an entrepreneurial endeavor so that you may live a better life by being more wealthy. You know, you're you're being bold in the mm-hmm. exact opposite of that and courageous in that.
0: Yeah, and and I think that this um this comes across also in the next couple things that he says. He says, be obedient to all. Be obedient to all. And um that one was tough to pray with because there's no Clause or condition or whatever there, um, and um, and the only thing that I could come up with was that this is this is just another call to humility because um, it's it's not just be obedient to your superior or like earlier be obedient to your superior and sisterhood. It's be obedient to all, and so there's something there about um, the humility of of placing myself below all others, and um, but I I think that I think that there is the um <clears throat> there is the context of. What he says, what he says earlier, the bishop is he says, above all strive in the fear of God to be pleasing to him. So I think that's the condition of this, you know, it's like be obedient to all, um, to the extent that it's pleasing to, to God. It's not, um, yeah. And then, and then the next one, when services are asked of you, do not complain. And I think that that's a good follow-up to the preceding statement because it's like, not only just be obedient, but be obedient without complaint. It's it's going back again to mm-hmm. like the tipicon. Don't just accept the tipicon. Accept the typical and embrace it with love. Um, yeah. Amen. So there is, yeah, and the, then uh, the, the, the...
1: Sorry, go ahead. The technology is just weird. Sorry, we're, we're talking over each other, but or long pauses because we're not... We're not uh, we're not hearing each other in real time, so we're trying. But go ahead, sister.
0: No, it's okay. I was going to move on. So say what you were going to say.
1: I have no idea what it was. I forgot.
0: (laughs) Okay. Um, (laughs) That's literally all. all I was. (laughs) I was just going to. Yeah the the last couple things that I prayed within that holy hour were um, the the bishop says be steadfast in your prayer. And then do not be lazy in vigils. So he transfers from the the do's to the do nots. Um, and but I, I think that's a good pausing place for this episode. And then we'll have at least one more part. Um, but that's uh, that's the the ends of the questions, and then getting into the catechesis. So I think that's a good pausing
1: point. Amen. Cool. So. All right, prayer intentions then, sister.
0: Um. Yes, so I'm gonna ask for prayers. This is gonna be one of those retroactive prayers, um, but prayers for all of those who are struggling um, and and trying to recover from from just all of the the massive um, destruction of the hurricane. Um, the so we, I feel like it's Hurricane Ida. Did I make that up? Do you know if it's Hurricane Ida? Mm-hmm.
1: Nope, that's it. Okay, that's
0: it. Okay, so um, we we got our wedding rings, Sister Petra and I. We got our wedding rings um, in the mail a few days ago, which I facetimed you and showed you Father Michael because that was really fun and exciting. Mm -hmm. But um, Sister Petra's doesn't totally fit, so she um, she was going to send it back for them to adjust. which Mother Cecilia had to do for her life profession as well, but um, she can't send it back right now because the the jeweler is in Louisiana, and um, he was oh, saying wow. which we're not we're not stressed about it in the sense of um, Sister Petra and getting the ring, and we're going to look at local jewelers and stuff like that. It's more that um, our jeweler, who's actually um, <laughs> we we only found out years after like going to them, but he's a deacon in the Catholic Church, so that's fun, um, hmm. Deacon Timmy and. Um, but they've like had to evacuate and they're not allowed to return to the business for a week. And then they were told that they're not going to have power for three weeks. And, um, so anyways, we're just like, our hearts are really aching for, for them and for their business. But then obviously for the the thousands of people who are experiencing similar things. So just, um, praying for everyone who's, um, who's suffering because of the destruction of Hurricane Ida. And, um, that they have the support and the peace and and everything that they need. So um, retroactive prayers, of course, although um, surely at this point, a lot of people are still suffering. So, yeah.
1: Mm -hmm. Amen. My intention is just when I was thinking about who to pray for, just Father Joel popped to mind, just Father Joel and his family, seminarians, um, Whatever the sadness is that that they may be enduring, and the joys, and what he's doing in his ministry, and and we were, we're you'll hear next week we talked about um, you know how hard human formation can be. He's only been there a bit of time. It's been most of the time he's been there has been during COVID and forming men to be good men, to be good humans. And this time is just a very trying thing. It's it's been really testing to a lot of people. So uh, just pray for Father his family, and the uh, students, his seminarians that he teaches.
0: Great. Thank you. Um, before you give us the blessing, uh, can you remind people all of the things that they need to do? Oh yes.
1: We forgot last time. Kind of out of time. Uh, yeah. So, uh, we're on Facebook. We're on Instagram. I'm on Twitter, Padre Michael O. Uh, we're on YouTube. We're on Goodreads. So check out all these things. And then also please do. And some of you, I've guys have been really good about this recently so thank you but reviews and and stuff like that on apple podcasts on spotify etc are very helpful to get the message out so we appreciate that immensely and uh thank you for yeah for listening here but also interacting other places we appreciate it Mm -hmm. all right and my lord bless you and keep you cause his face to shine upon you of mercy on you may you Find within the structures of your own life, within whatever vocation you are leading, uh, all the yokes, all the struggles, all the crosses to be life-giving. May you embrace them out of obedience and the the great graces that come through obedience, but also with joy. May you love those who have authority over you and also care for those who you have authority over. May you desire, um, in your desire to be first, may you desire to be last and to serve the rest May our Lord uh, give you his guidance if you are still discerning vocation. Uh, may he give you peace, perseverance, patience. Um, may he give you clarity in what you're doing, what you're deciding, what you're discerning. Um, and may you assist others in their discernment as well as our Lord empowers you to do so to be that community to them. May our the Lord bless you in every way and allow you to give him glory and to receive the glory he gives. May our Lord lead you to your salvation. And may our Lord bless you in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Father.
0: Thank I you, Jesus It's such a joy as always.